Hey folks, we spoke with uh, performance artist Hector Eduardo Chavaria, otherwise known as the Big Gay Mexican. Uh, he's a really, uh, really fascinating uh, person. We spoke about, in general, the theater scene in Minneapolis and the theater scene generally throughout the United States, and just about performance, art, queerness, uh, just a lot of good stuff. It was really fun. Uh, I hadn't known, I had known of Hector before, but I hadn't really had a chance to get to know him or chat, so it was really fun for me to sit down and, and uh, just get to know him and get to get a sense for what drives his passion for performance and what drives his passion uh, generally. So it was just, it was really great. Uh, enjoy the listen. Bye. All right. Let's take a deep breath together. I've been doing a lot in the last couple of weeks. <laughs> Have you? Deep breaths together. Every <laughs> deep, deep breaths. <laughs> so tell me, tell me what, uh, tell me what Big Day Mexican is, and then also consider that um, not everyone that's listening to this is from Minneapolis. So whatever broader context you can offer is really important. Oh, cool. Uh, well, I am the Big Day Mexican. Tell <laughs> your friends. And you are big. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's not like the homies on the street <laughs> that are ironic nicknames. Right? No, 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 no. I am the Big Day Mexican. <laughs> uh, I am a performance artist around town, the Twin Cities. Um, the reason why I became the Big A Mexican, or the reason why I uh, call myself yeah, that... Yeah, let's dive into what became, what the word became later. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, I started off as an actor here. I wanted to be uh, an actor, like a lot of people, and... Did you get, were you going to the school for acting, or...? Yeah, I graduated with a theater degree in... Um, yeah, Graduate with a theater degree and a minor in Chicano studies. Lovely. Which was really funny because my parents were like, you're moving away from the Mexicans to learn about the Mexicans. What was this? It's St. Cloud State University. Oh. And I'm from El Paso, Texas. Oh. Yeah. See, so you, you're living in El Paso. Mm-hmm. You go to St. Cloud for your degree. Mm-hmm. That's very, Your mom was, their parents were right. Yeah. <laughs> that is a significant shift. Yeah, and my professor was white. <laughs> well, most of them were. Of course. One, my favorite pr- professor was was Mexican, and he uh, was the one that persuaded me to get my minor in Chicano studies, okay. which I'm really happy I did. Mm. Um, but once I graduated, you know, moved to the city, started auditioning everywhere, realized rather quickly I wasn't going to make it in this town right. or in general in acting just because of my body type, uh-huh, uh-huh. my race, my stage presence. I was, you know, I'm a big personality, so I've been told. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and I think for, for context for folks outside of Minneapolis, like this is a very, there's a very large theater scene here. There's a lot it is. to be had, but it's also very white. It is very white, uh. and every time there's a post uh, where companies are looking for ethnicity, uh-huh. they mean black. They, that's a, they, they say ethnicity? They say what? ethnicities, or they will say all ethnicities. Welcome. Welcome, encouraged, and then you go to the audition, and no, they're not looking for all ethnicities. They're looking for African-Americans. I just feel, well, theater in general is very black and white. Uh-huh. Um, hence the reason why you see so many productions of West Side Story where white people are playing Latinos. Is that how it goes? Okay. Yeah. It's, even even still today, to this Even day. still today. I mean, I think it's getting better now. Because certainly um, in, in old Hollywood, they always had like Asian Americans cover Mexican folks. Right. That's a very standard thing. But that was like 1920s, 30s, or 
40s or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I think now white people are taking over. Our stuff. Yeah, I'm not sure why that is. I'm not sure why blackface is not okay is not okay which i mean i understand why that's not okay but why is brown face okay right, right, i don't so understand what the difference consistent is standard applied. exactly it makes no sense to me mm. so what happened for me in terms of big a mexican well and, and just sorry when i went no when continue I big, you're like six five you're like i'm six what, one six one i felt like six five <laughs> not over exaggerating okay i'm sorry <laughs> you just you just seem really tall to me i don't know yeah I'm well, I am it shouldn't be that dramatic <laughs> Oh my god, he really is big. So <laughs> I, he is the big gay Mexican. He's so big. Whoa, he's so big. Okay. That's not true. I'm not that big. <laughs> anyway. I get off that. Yeah. Anyway. That's bad. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> um, but So you're, you're trying to audition. You're realizing that oh yeah. perhaps this won't work. No. But then on the other side of the can, spectrum. Can you describe what your experiences were in like these casting conversations? Like What, what really like gave you the sensation that... Well, pretty much, it wasn't not really the conversations. It was just all the rejections uh, that I was getting, and um, I even auditioned for the the local Latino company here. Mm-hmm. Uh, all prim- most of them primarily white. I mean, the founder is Latino, mm-hmm. um, and I auditioned for them to play a Mexican in their touring show about immigration. And they wanted to see me again, and then all of a sudden they went another direction. And then when I saw who they casted, it was a white actor. So not like a pale Mexican, but literally like a Caucasian. Yeah, it was a Caucasian actor. Holy shit! I know. And after that, oh, like, I just and you can cuss too. It's oh, it's not radio. Great! So. Yay! Yay! Let's practice together. Fuck, great. Fuck, fuck, fuck. <laughs> great. Well, I mean, that pisses me off. So yeah, I shit. Ah. Uh, I know. Um, so, I after that, it was time for me to just start doing my own shit. Like Shift I had your to. Paradigm a little bit. Yeah. Mm. But also, what what also happened is, I was kind of losing my identity along the way, mm. just because I live in Minneapolis. It is primarily white. Um, the majority of my friends and colleagues are white. Mm-hmm. Which don't get me wrong, I have no problem with Caucasians or white people. It's just you just begin to lose your identity yeah, yeah, yeah. when you're not surrounded. Well, we're in a position where we're accommodating other people. Right, exactly. But what happened is one incident. I went to go see a play, and my friend had got me a ticket, and I was running late, and I, when I went to go get my ticket, the box office person saw me and just said, oh, here's your ticket, go. I didn't give him my name. I didn't, you know, I, I didn't say anything. Just because it was a Latino name? Well, so... I ran into my friend during intermission, and I and I told him. So they didn't ask me for my name. What did you What did you tell the box office? Did you tell them just look for the big gay Mexican? And he said, "Yeah, actually, yeah, that's, yes, actually that's, that's, what, that's I what I said." Oh my god! And sure enough, like the person saw me and said, "Oh, here's your ticket. Here you go. Here, here you go, big and gay Mexican." Big gay Mexican. So then, oh, wow. eventually, just like light bulb hit, and I thought. I could use this, mm. you know. I could use. Well, your your entire being is your signature. Yeah. Wow. Well, and then also when you hear "big a Mexican," people get really uncomfortable. I mean, it's you the know. opposite for me. It's 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 a very affectionate. When I hear <laughs> when I hear it, I mean, I see it on Facebook. I'm like, oh, that's sweet. Aww, oh, sweet. Yeah. yeah, other people. Yeah, most people are 
offended for me. You know? <laughs> your savior. Yeah, they tell me why. Why do you call yourself that? Are you, that's offensive. Are you? What what is offensive to folks? I don't know. That's I'm not offended. Let's you know. Let's do a podcast about that. Let's just interview do... these people and be like, why? Why do you find it what offensive? What offends you? I mean, you're offended, so can you explain? Right. And if they say, oh, I'm not really. No, no, no. no. Well, you said you're offended. That's okay. And they're not offended. Uh, for themselves, they're offended for me, right? Which which makes no sense to me. Even other, right. you know, even certain people of color too. Mm. They they think it's just not right for me to be calling myself this, but I think it's perfect because it brings out stereotypes, and yeah. it it's an opportunity to examine exactly, and that's why I do it, and that's the whole purpose with of my work is. I want to examine stereotypes. I want to break them down yeah. and point out that yes, some of them are true and some of them are not. But in you know, in general, we are who we are, and we should be proud of that. Right. So I'm the big A Mexican. I'm proud to be the big A Mexican. Yeah. Come see my work, and you'll know why I'm well, proud to be the big A Mexican. And it kind of, I mean. Just right off the top of my head, it kind of feels like in queer culture and performance culture, you can be a little more literal in that way with with some latitude, where it's not as like dangerous or like perceived as being dangerous as if you were if it's in the straight like performance. Right. Well, even the term straight play. Right. <laughs> you know? right. 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 Um, so yes, any queer play or any play that has you know queer issues is always considered edgy right you know which Word really isn't it's not it's, it's an examination like anything else exactly it's just that y'all don't get a stage so right it's become edgy by deep by by like virtue of just not having access exactly well same thing with with race plays so i've been told you know race plays are edgy is that what they say is that what the term is it's i i don't think it's a actual term like that you'll see in a book but i mean i've heard it wow. numerous times i i've worked at numerous theaters in this town and i've i have heard the term race play <laughs> what is that in reference to the composition or the content the content wow. and what kind of con- i mean there's no edgy like race plays here this you know, well here again it's primarily just... african-american plays right. <laughs> are considered race plays yeah yeah and that's why I feel my work is so important is because I'm not African-American. Right. I'm Mexican-American. And it's about time Mexican-Americans' work is shown. Right. You know? Damn. Yeah. Hmm. So, yeah. So, so um, for those that don't know, describe uh, what your what your work looks like, what your work feels like with some of your more recent projects. Um, well... <clears throat> The big project that I just finished in May, um, I got a fellowship with 20% Theatre Company, um, and the fellowship was called Q Stage, and they, what it is is they, um, they ask for proposals and they choose four um, queer artists to put on a performance piece, um, and I decided to write a play. That's great. Oh, it, w- it was pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, were most of the awardees uh, POC or? Um, no. Okay. Um, it, so it was four of them. Um, me and another group, uh, two of them, one of them was a person of color. 
Um, but we were all queer. Mm-hmm. Um, queer and... Um, it was an amazing experience. Um, I got to write my play. Yeah. It was... To have, like, the creative latitude to just put something together it must be incredible. It was incredible. It was also mm. really scary, and it took a very long time <laughs> yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah. I... It's hard. I knew what I wanted, and then by the end of it, it was not what I had envisioned. Mm. <laughs> but it turned out great. And to learn to accept the, accept the process and how it shifts everything. Right, around. exactly. Yeah. And I learned a lot about myself, mm. and I learned a lot about who I'm performing to. Mm. Unfortunately, so you, most of the audience that came were Caucasian. Who were consuming, yeah. Right. And um, I, in my piece, this last piece, because I, I sing and I dance and I, I put on, you know, I put on a show, you know. I talk about my life. And um, I chose to sing a song in Spanish. Mm. And mm. when we had a talk back and... One dear patron asked me why I I chose to sing a song in Spanish, and it's I not really a choice. No, it wasn't right? a like, choice. It's not a choice. And I, she she meant no harm. So all I said was, "Yeah, she did." I know did. she. I mean, let's, 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 let's you know unpack that a little bit. Like, if, in 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 what she was intending to try to convey, it's certainly no harm. But there's harm in asking that question. I know, and all I told her was, I chose to sing in Spanish just so I can prove to all of you that I can speak Spanish. (laughs) (laughs) And also, I wanted to give you mystery since most of you don't speak Spanish. But this, then this is, this is the element of like, like who we're intending to speak to and who shows up and like the sort of extrapolation that we can have. Right. Like if it was all Latino, you know, some degree of Spanish speaker component, you can... I would I would expect that you can go a lot deeper in why you did that or why you chose to do that. Right. Um, well, there was a Shit. there was a lot of reasons why I chose to sing that one song in particular. Um, it went with the theme of the scene that I was portraying. Um, I talked a lot about what well, not a lot, but I did touch base on sexual assault mm. and um, emotional abuse in, in my show. Okay. Um, and I, again, I knew most of my audience weren't going to speak Spanish, so it did give this level of intrigue to mm-hmm. the show. Um, but some Latinos had come see the show, and they did applaud me for the song, and they mm-hmm. they appreciated it, yeah. which was great. Because it's another, it's one of those things where we don't see it, we don't really see it here. Yeah, yeah. When I when I think about my filmmaking, and there's there's been points in my filmmaking where I've chosen not to translate or use subtitles in the Spanish that's present. Mm-hmm. I think w- the way I eventually would think about it or, or learn to think about it is I wanted to create a barrier to access to that content. Right. Mm, I didn't want to just yeah. like offer it to non-Spanish speakers. <clears throat> right. You know, and not 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 to say that like white folks that like learn Spanish have a better sentimentality about how to connect to Latino community, but mm-hmm. there is work you have to do to learn Spanish. Right, and I wanted, and then I wanted the white folks to that have learned Spanish to work to understand that part of it, and then for the Spanish speakers in the room to just know it, right, and feel it, and connect with me on that level, right. right? And that just felt really good <laughs> doing that in my filmmaking. <laughs> yeah. It felt it felt powerful, but it also just felt warmer because I knew that there was some barrier to having access to something that was fairly intimate. You know? And that's amazing because I I also feel that we 
we're kind of losing that as a community. I feel, well, I feel personally that I'm always having to give in to, you know, the broader perspective and I feel like I'm losing myself and becoming more, I hate to say it, I'm becoming more white. Mm. I know. It's terrible. I I don't like it. Yeah, I mean, I I think in the the last, like, couple of months I've been thinking a lot about why it's it's important for those of us that are of color to also examine our relationship to whiteness because that's part of it right? yeah like we're doing a podcast in mm-hmm. in english because I, I don't i didn't even ask you about that but at least i feel self-conscious connecting an entire conversation for an hour in spanish even though it's my first language same here and though i wouldn't do it i wouldn't yeah. do it i would feel like real shit even if i tried to i feel really shitty afterward oh i agree well i actually feel shitty when People come to the store. I I work at a retail store and um, the unnamed retail. The store. unnamed retail store. <laughs> That's a mystery of this conversation. <laughs> no one will know. No one will ever, unless they see you there. <laughs> unless they see me there. <laughs> and they manage to find the podcast. There's right. a lot. There's a lot of cosmic connections that have to happen to make that work. So we'll just keep it at that. Exactly. <laughs> it's a popular store. It's a popular store. You may have you may have heard of it. You may have walked into it. it. I don't know. We're not going to tell you. Um, That's all you're getting, audience. But. So there's been some customers that come in and they don't speak English and they only speak Spanish mm. and they immediately come to me. Like, come here. Come here, family. Come here. Come here. Yeah. Let me embrace you. Yeah. And then, but there's there's this other side that, that does, it doesn't, I guess it, it kind of makes me feel bad because there's this other side where Mexicans look at me a certain way and they they don't really... They don't really like me, yeah. you know. Yeah. And that's another that's another um, exploration that I'm trying to what what create. How are you perceiving their discomfort with you? What 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 is? It's like... it's more. I would say it's more the the queer aspect yeah. of me, the big Mexican. Um, An apologetic aspect of that, right? Yeah. Mm. And it's all, you know, the machismoism of yeah. the Mexican culture. You know, men are not feminine at all. Mm. Men don't show their emotions. Men don't dress the way I do, you know? So I always, there's always this discomfort. And I think it's also, and like, I think that's absolutely, I agree with that. And I think the other part of it for an immigrant population is to not do things. And because I sense this from my, like, I'm, I'm not queer, right? But like, my family's very uneasy about their perception around me trying to get attention by wearing flamboyant clothes or something. Mm. There's also this like needing to protect themselves by being like anonymous. Yeah. Um, there's also that element that's really difficult to navigate because I respect it and I acknowledge it because right. we do have undocumented brothers and sisters and whatever else that need to survive and do their thing. But that also means they're going to be very rejecting of like my attempts to carve something out that's individual. Right. Well, also I feel that in in this country that Mexicans are just made to feel that they can't achieve success. Mm-hmm. Um, growing up, I wasn't really encouraged to achieve success. My parents would rather have me, you know, work at some call center and make money instead of pursuing what I really wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Pursuing your voices. Yeah. Mm. Even going to college mm, was like kind that. of a hassle, yeah. you know? Wow. Well, me leaving was a huge deal. I um, only went like 90 minutes away, cause, or 40 minutes away, because I just couldn't 
It's too much shit. Yeah. It's too much. <laughs> yeah. I don't live 40 minutes away. I live... I don't know how long it would take. Three days. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's, let's go back to that. So uh, you were describing how, like, um, in, where in the retail store, that's a name that yeah, you work at. When some managers come in, they immediately go to you, but then also there's a degree of rejection as well. Yes. Well, once they they see me and they immediately want to go talk to me and then once I once I speak mm. then they they kind of back off oh. yeah it's weird where do they go then they just leave or <laughs> they don't leave they just they, they're like oh sorry <laughs> perdon perdon no they don't even they say sorry oh oh <laughs> oh because they I mean that this is this is like I really struggle here around like where my identity is accepted or not accepted within my community right mm-hmm. like, I feel like when I go to certain restaurants, um, this is all just really, really uh, just my own random observation about it. I go to a restaurant and I swear they've never seen a middle class Latino, so they don't know how to deal with me. No. They just, they just can't fucking figure it out. And I get it, but it's also just really comfortable. And then a story I always tell is I went to a baseball game and, and it happened to be my friend invited me. It happened to be like really nice seats right behind the, mm-hmm. this, the, the home plate and there's like a dining area and homeboy that's cutting the meat, he's... Very Mexican dude. I start talking to him. You can tell he's like in a panic, because I think because I think he's looking for management to like freak out that he's speaking in a tongue that they don't understand. Mm-hmm. But also just being shocked that there's a native Spanish speaker like with these baller ass seats, right? You know, talking about the cut of roast beef or whatever, right? You know, and I was like, I was really feeling that moment because I was just like, I don't know how to navigate this either, because in LA, like, I could just it's not as complicated. And right. I just talk to whoever I need to talk to, whoever I want to talk to, and it's I can blend in, and it's not as like. Not as much of a burst in these right, but here it's, it's so heightened. It's crazy. Actually, a lot of people don't even know that I'm Mexican. They think I'm Italian. They think I'm white. <laughs> really? Yeah. They just say that. They're like, oh. Dude. Oh well. I mean, in college, it was mm. crazy. One guy flat out told me, "Oh, you're Mexican. I mean, you're a little tan, but I didn't think you <laughs> were. Tan. You were Mexican." And one guy said I was tinted. Tinted? What the hell does that mean? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> he said, well, you're tinted, but I didn't think you were Mexican. What do they think Mexicans are? I have no idea. <laughs> tinted, Yo, I guess. Yeah, I mean, there's like Southern Mexicans. They're pretty short, but like those of us from the North are kind of ample in height. Well, and then there is... Or whatever. But, you know, and then there are sure. Mexicans in the, in the middle of Mexico that are... That are pretty white and blonde. Yeah, yeah. So, I have no idea what they thought. But again, I do have to realize that this was St. Cloud. Yeah. St. Cloud, Minnesota. It's a very unique setting. Oh, you can say that again. Unique is interesting. <laughs> People are crazy. But, so, experiencing a few years in St. Cloud made me realize that I, I did need to do something with my art in terms of my Chicanoism and mm. I need to bring that out more just because it's it's so important because there's so little of us um, actually producing work. Right. And in this in this region. Well yes and in this region it's a hard town. Are you the only person doing solo pieces, or are there other folks? 
I not that I'm aware of. I mean, um, literally, sh- I think you might be the only one. Oh, I hope not. <laughs> I mean, this is there's two podcasters in this town. They're the next, so you know, me and someone else. So, mm-hmm. and I cover a little more nationally too. I think my content. So, oh man, it's different. But like, it's it, and this is like this is the weird part of being in this town is that like there's not many of us doing what we do, but because of that, we have a lot of access to like theaters and things. Right. As long as we can navigate it. Right. But then sometimes we get rejected completely anyway. And yeah. What do you do? What's the advantage? Well, and actually, that's another reason why I started doing my own stuff, because I'm I'm not getting rejected anymore. Because <laughs> I'm doing my own stuff. I'm not rejecting myself. Right, right, right. <laughs> you just find a vehicle for it, and yeah. it's fine. And it's great. I've, you know, I just got my play produced, and oh, really? I'm, I'm doing this... I'm doing this musical with a group of people. Um, it's a cockat musical, and the cockats were these. Yeah, they, yeah, they were these. Um, it has hippies. a connection to me in Spanish, but I don't think it's. Okay. I don't know, okay, no. Yeah, but I don't think it's that. No, 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 no. I'm the only person of color in the cast. <laughs> it's fine. Um, it's it's more for my my queer aesthetic mm. as a performer. It's mm. an all queer cast. Okay. Um, the Cockettes were this group of hippies in the 1960s, 70s, where they just did a bunch of drugs and put on plays. That sounds good. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a great time. But these plays are just vulgar and dirty and nasty. Mm. And this is the second Cockette Because they were. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, this is the second one I'm doing with this group. And the main reason why I'm so excited about this one is because the character that I'm playing was originated by the drag queen Divine. Oh, so, oh. so it's an honor to be playing this role yeah, sure. because this musical isn't really produced very often. So Divine did it in the seventies. They did it a, a few years ago with some cast in San Francisco, and then we're doing it here. So in reality, only like three people have done this role. Mm-hmm. So when's that going to come out? It's end of July. End of July. July twenty eighth, twenty ninth, and thirtieth um, at Minsky's. It's this, it's this new burlesque um, stage that they're, they they created. It used to be. Where is it geographically? Northeast. Okay. I'm okay. not really sure of the address. Northeast Minneapolis. It's in Minneapolis, yes. So, that should be fun. I'm basically just exploring different forms of theater. So I'm, I'm doing a little bit more burlesque now, because it's also. Um, it's also a skinny man's world, mm. which I like, what I like to call it. And since I am the big gay Mexican, I also want to prove to the world that big is beautiful. Mm. So mm. I'm doing a lot more courageous theater in terms of showing my body. Mm. Let's say more about what, where's the, where's the courageous aspect of that? Where... I basically take off my clothes on stage, oh, okay. you know. So we have lo- that to look forward to. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> exactly. So, um, and I do it just to prove that I'm okay with myself and mm. big can be beautiful, big can be sexy. Well, it sounds like perhaps in the initial aspects of it, initial runs of that, it's also a challenge to yourself to find comfort in, in, yes. in, the, in the nudity. and in, yeah. yeah, exactly. And I found some comfort. You know, I'm not completely comfortable yet, but I'll get there. Mm. Is that, and, it's interesting to think about like having 
goals within performance. Yeah. In that way. Not just about like like um meticulously and effectively reciting lines, but also like untangling your insecurities while on stage. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's and that's that's the main goal for my work is I do want to inspire people to love themselves and the way I do it is by showing everyone that I love myself mm. and and we should be courageous and we should be bold and we should just be happy with ourselves even though that's easier said than done right. um, it's, it's possible <clears throat> and I think in, I think it's another thing that's advantageous about here than like my, my home of California it's really hard to do that right? oh, yeah. because like the standard of beauty is so fucked up and like jammed in your face every second like I feel <laughs> it when I get off the plane I suddenly feel the insecurity of like, oh my god, like I'm too fat. I'm too fat. I need to go running. I'm just like, what am I saying to myself? Like, Jesus. Well, I was. I had dinner with some actors um, last night who are performing at the Guthrie, so they're not from here, and mm. some of them live in California, and they were talking about how they they're scared about auditioning in LA because they feel that they're too fat. And they've been touring or they just feel that well they've just been ex- you know they've been experiencing life and experiencing the theater world and just realizing mm. what is being casted and right. you know well who's being casted and and the people that are being casted are pretty thin yeah like un- unhealthily thin. unhealthily like, thin there's, there's a limit there's a limit to right. what your body can actually sustain. Right. Well, one actor told me that she was told that her upper half was good, but that her legs needed work, that she needed to lose weight in, your leg. in her, you know. How do you do that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Just do a lot more squats. And, and she, she was really confused by it because, you know, she even said, well, bodies don't work like that. Yeah. You know, if I lose weight, it won't necessarily... I won't lose it from my legs. I'll probably lose it, you know, in my stomach or my face, you know. Yeah. That's not how bodies work. You cannot just, like, lose weight. You can't from... pick and choose. Right, Unless exactly. you're sucking it out in some horribly mechanical device. Right. And, um... Mm. But that's, like, the standard, though. Yeah. And people will go out and get plastic surgery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... That's the easy thing about, like, growing up with Den Lovellas always in my background, but then seeing them as adults, and I'm like, what the fuck? This is like chiseled white look looking dude, and there's like a woman who's like obnoxious and skinny with like gigantic boobs. I'm just like I don't. What do I do with this? I don't want this to frame what I think is attractive, but I'm kind of into the show because I like the drama of it. Right, it's comforting to me. But it's so much fun. The drama is comforting. Yeah, it is. It is. is. You know, I'm a big chismosa too, so that's part of it as well. I know. That's probably why I do podcasts, too, so I get all those inside stories. But it's, <laughs> but it's also just, like, I can't handle, like, these these, these representations. Of no. Bodies. No. I can't either. So, again, that's why I'm there. I'm trying to change the world. We'll see how I do. One, one nude scene at a time. One nude scene at a time singing a song <laughs> in Spanish. Can they figure your slogan? <laughs> one nude Spanish what? song at a time. <laughs> The big gay nudist. Big gay <laughs> Can we do it that nudist way? Nudist who happens to be Mexican. Yeah. Asterisk happens to be Mexican. <laughs> happens to be Mexican. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Ah. I mean, I've always I've always wondered about that because like the what's interesting about my, my siblings and I is the three of us self-identify differently. Mm-hmm. So my sister says she's Chicana. I'll say that I'm Mexican, and then my brother will say he's Hispanic. And my brother's queer, and and it makes sense to me because his connection to our language and, and our community was always a hostile one. Oh, right. Yeah. And mm-hmm. my I had a lot more comfort in it because I'm more heteronormative, and mm-hmm. I put more time into learning how to speak Spanish, and so I comfortably say that I'm Mexican. And whereas my sister doesn't really put a lot of attention to her relationship to Latin America or Spanish. And so it makes sense that she says Chichicana. Right. Well, it was actually pretty tricky when I moved to St. Cloud because in El Paso, we all call ourselves Hispanic. Oh, really? Just generally? Yeah. Uh, We're all Hispanic. Because of the Texas dynamic. Because of the Texas dynamic and because Uh, that's what we were taught in school. We're Hispanic. Huh. And then... I moved to St. Cloud and started talking to the Chicano Studies group and talking to my professor who happens to be Chicano. And he and the group started informing me how the term, <laughs> Informing you. Yes. Started informing me. It's a very me polite way of saying it. How, yes. <laughs> how the term Hispanic is actually offensive. Oh, yeah. Be- yes. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't know that. That's hilarious. So you got you got that sort of like consciousness raising in fucking St. Cloud. Right, exactly. <laughs> Which poor is, Texas kid. Like, poor Texas kid doesn't Cloud. know he's been raised with an offensive term. Yeah, right. And then, but... It's a it got even, strategy, too, not to acknowledge Chicano identity, Chicano activism as well. Right. But then it just got even worse because it was like, well, you're not Mexican-American because... You're you were born here, right. and <laughs> but you're not you know you're not Latino because Mexico is is not in Latin America, you know. So there was, I was really confused Mexicans, at one point. Mexicans will always describe in Mexico they'll say U.S. is North America, America is North. America. They right. won't even acknowledge themselves within North America. <laughs> right. So, we're so, North American. Good luck. Yeah, so I was really confused for a while. <laughs> and I just didn't know what to call myself. So I just said, I'm, I'm fabulous. <laughs> you know, what are you, fabulous? And were you also navigating, like, an emerging queer identity, too? Or was that fairly established for yourself? It was, I was more open about relationships, I would say. Like, I was comfortable with, well, I wasn't comfortable with who I was, but I was... I knew that I was gay, so... So at least that was settled. At least that was settled. (laughs) I was gay. Right. So it was the whole... It was the big and Mexican part that I was trying to... (laughs) You know, the gay part. Of the the trifecta. The trifecta. The holy trinity of your stage presence. Right, exactly. Borrowing from our nominal Catholic upbringing. Right. (laughs) But then actually going back to the name, there's also the... The controversy that I've heard from my peers is, well, you're not really Mexican, so you, you can't gotta call shut the fuck up with that. You right. gotta shut the fuck up. Right. I've been on dates with well-meaning people that try to convince me that I'm Mexican, <laughs> and so like my brother brought up the fact that we can become citizens because of our parents, and so fuck it, I went to St. Paul, became a citizen. Now I'm just like certified. <laughs> I got my passport. I'm a fucking Mexican. Fucking <laughs> you like it Mexican. or not? And I'm you know, also raised in the United States and I have a U.S. passport. Well, right. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's, it's only white people that have been, like, you know, right. questioning right. my Mexican-ness. Right. Other Mexicans are like, yeah, you're Mexican. Yeah, <laughs> no doubt to me. Like, right? Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, 
so it's the obnoxiousness of it though that even suggests that they can define us right oh you're not mexican because you weren't born in mexico you're not danish right (laughs) white exactly you're not you don't get to claim the scandinavian culture you're just white and you're oppressing me right now exactly shut the fuck up up. um yeah so it's interesting but at the same time though i'm like i'm happy you're talking about this though so at least they're bringing it up at least they're bringing it up Mm. (laughs) (laughs) i don't know about that whatever it's just the nap but it's like you know it's just like emblematic of like the day-to-day navigation right we have to fucking deal with right yeah i have to keep i guess i have to what's what am i trying to say i have to i don't know i lost my way of thought my train of thought um it just feels like the more we pursue the more whiteness we have to deal with yeah that's what's hard that's what's hard I do have to say that the movie Selena has one of the best lines in it. Where did that come from? <laughs> well, because it's, it's, it's actually where I was going. Okay, okay, Because, okay. um... It James, always comes back to Selena. It always comes back to Selena. It really does. <laughs> Selena changed my life. Um, and I knew her before the movie came out. I want to point that out. Like, I knew the go, real go, Selena. Go, <laughs> Not J-Lo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Selena was... Own like, it. Yes, that's she, our generation. I know she you was just my find diva, our generation, right? And I was happy they made a movie, and it was actually a pretty decent movie. But anyway, James Edward James James Edward Olmos. Oh, oh my God, Edward James. That Olmos. name is tattooed on my head. He's the Mexican. <laughs> he is the. He Mexican. actually grew up in my hometown. Oh, did he? Really, so. Oh, so you know oh, all saturated, about him. Saturated with his bullshit. Oh, I'm sure. He's the Samuel L. of Mexican. <laughs> you like, really film, like, is. Oh, oh, Samuel is. Uh, Edward James Olsen. Edward James Olsen. Oh, right, right. He's a fucking... He wore contacts and played a fucking Starfleet countdown or some shit. Battlestar Galactica. Great. Now he's passing for white. Great. Well, you know, you have to get ahead somehow, but... Gotta make that money. Gotta make that money. But he does say this one line in the movie. (laughs) (laughs) He tells, like, Selena that, that since she's Mexican, she has to be more mexican to the mexicans and more more white to the white wow because it's like since since we're in the middle mm. we're always having to prove to the white people that we're mexican but also we're proving yeah. to the mexicans that we're not white yeah. that's some cosmic shit man. i know so i was you know after that i was like yes yes i'm with you uh, and it's true though it like so true I have to keep proving to the white people that I really am Mexican. And then on the other, you know, on the other side, I have to prove to the Mexicans that, yes, I am Mexican. Yeah. I'm not white. I'm proud of my heritage. Yeah, yeah. No, I was, I was getting a PhD. So there's a, there's a certain discourse that I had to abide by. And there's a whiteness that I had to capture little by little to mm-hmm. perform and pursue and finish this PhD, whatever, which I didn't. And I always found myself like grounding, grounding my language in a lot of cussing. And then some youth I was working with eventually challenged me about that. It was like, why are you cussing so much? And I was like, look, I just, I fucking need it. I just need it because I sound white so fucking much all the time because I have to, because I want to pursue this and it's important right. to me and I have to write in a certain way and mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not comfortable with it. And so this is where I escape into like something that feels more consistent with how I was raised and where I grew up. Right. Yeah. God damn, that's hard. It is hard. Well, it's all, it also makes me laugh that nowadays you know my colleagues at work 
um, every now and then they'll just, you know, when they greet me, they'll say, hola, Hector. <laughs> and What the fuck are they thinking I don't know. Do that I'm shit? just like, like fuck honestly, you. Do they think they're offering <laughs> me some comfort? Like, what? you're not my parents. Like, the only people that said that to me were my parents. You're not my parents. I love okay. my parents. Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. Hola. And, uh, uh. I mean... I say it back to them just because it's, like, my way of saying fuck you. Like, hola. Actually, now, instead of saying thank you, I now say Garcia. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Garcia. Appreciate it. (laughs) Oh, my God. So, uh, tell me more about performances in in sort of, like, a little more. Give me me a feel for what, what the experience is like. The feel of... The big, the big gay Mexican experience. The feel of all of it. Um, well, with like, or what are you trying to convey? I guess is probably a better question because you're not the audience. I am just trying to, well, going back to like my queerness and queer theater. Um, most of the queer theater that I've seen or that I've been a part of has always been really depressing mm. because it's always the queer person is the victim. Mm. I am the victim. Woe is me. All of this is happening. The struggle is real, mm-hmm. which I am with you. The struggle There's is some real. Shit. real. Some this real is shit. some real shit. Some real shit. However, we have got to find a way to be happy. You know, shit happens. I've been through a lot of shit. I'm still, you know, coping with it, but I am trying to be well, you're, happy. You're finding an identity that needs to be a consistent, a, 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 a everyday like celebration of that. Right. right, right. Like as we all struggle to find our voice and our identities. Right. You know, when we find something that feels like, like it is ours, like why would you let that go? Yeah, exactly. All the time. So with my work, I always I point out like my experiences I point out my struggle but I always kind of like flip it to where I am not the victim and where I am okay in the end Mm. because that's that's the main goal of my work is I want to tell people that life is hard but we can be okay you know like we have to find a way we have to be ourselves because in order to be happy, we have to be happy with ourselves. Yeah. Um, so that's why I do the work I do. Um, like this last piece I did, um, I talked, like I said, I talked about emotional abuse. I talked about sexual assault. And I, I did it in this way where my play was a TV show. It was a variety show. It was the mm-hmm. big gay Mexican show. So I, I did songs. I danced. I had special guests. Um, one of my special guests was Cinderella. You know, <laughs> Cinderella came on stage. Okay. She was Latina. Mm. I had to have a Latina oh, Cinderella. So, so edgy. So edgy. So edgy. Yes, so edgy. Brown Latina. Cinderella. Brown so Cinderella. Edgy. It was so edgy. Did the kids cry? <laughs> they saw Brown Cinderella. Were they destroyed? They were, they were in shock. They couldn't believe Cinderella had brown hair, black hair. Um... But the whole point of, like, the whole Cinderella thing is when you look at the stories, Cinderella was mistreated by her stepmother and stepsisters. Like, she was being abused. and yet Right. And yet nobody really... (laughs) Nobody's going to see see whatever the acronym is for 
child welfare. Like, no one's, no one's throwing down to make <laughs> no, sure. Okay. Exactly. No, exactly. No one's knocking every once a week and being like, yo, how's this Cinderella doing? Right, nobody's going to, you know, no. So she was, you know, she was a slave in her own home. And... She was a child slave. She was trafficked. <laughs> she was. Let's get real about this. She, she was. was a, a survivor of human trafficking. She was. And, you know, she found a rich man to, like, take her yeah, away. she found a sugar daddy. She did find a sugar daddy. he took care of things. Right, let's be real about Cinderella. And God knows what happened in that bedroom. Right. Just, that's not going to be pleasant. Well, probably nothing, because she was probably scarred for life. She probably didn't even know how to, like, develop a human relationship. Oh, man, no intimacy. No intimacy. Mm. But that's why I brought her into my piece, and I... You know, I do talk about the abuse that she, mm, you know, I love it. That yes. she that happened to her, and and in my piece, like I broke down talking to her, like I was oh. begging her to like leave her home. <laughs> you know, I was like, you gotta get out. You know, you gotta help yourself. Get out. But it was kind of one of those things where I was basically talking about, you know, my experience, yeah. you know, being at home and just using Cinderella as a mirror to. To bring that out, pretty much, mm. yeah. Mm. And let's not let's not forget, let's not not acknowledge the fact that Mexicans love Disney. <laughs> we just love that shit. Oh, I know. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I grew up in L.A., man. Like Disney's just around the corner. Oh, Ugh. I love Disney though. I, I know. if I, I lived know. in Everyone California, has, I would. Everyone has their annual pass and shit. But... <sighs> I'm so jealous. I haven't been to Disneyland in years and I've been dying to go. But actually, well, now as an adult and after, you know, finally realizing who I really am, Disney princesses kind of lost their effect on me. It <laughs> just makes me sad. And I, I guess life has ruined them for me. I will grudgingly take my niece to Disneyland. <laughs> I'll be all pouty and annoying about it, but I will do it because that sweet little thing is going to want to go. Right. But it's just, you know, going back to, like, you know, Cinderella, like, she was abused. Look at the Little Mermaid. She was 16, you know? This was a 16-year-old girl who got married at 16, (laughs) you know? So... Snow White's just in a coma the whole time. How is that a good idea? Right. So... How is coma, like, a a narrative device, a plot device? (laughs) Well, in the real Sleeping Beauty, apparently she was raped by the prince. And the reason why she was woken up was because she gave birth. Oh, was that how that yeah, goes? Yeah, that's the real story. Her, her rape birth? Her rape birth woke her up and not a kiss. Oh my god. Yeah. I know, it's crazy. It's just fucked up. Disney didn't go that route, of course. No, they but, the, yeah. Right. But that was, that's another reason why Cinderella was in my piece, because it's showing that fairy tales... Well, fantasies in general kind of ruin us in a way because we become too attached to them and we start believing in them and Or we shape our lives to Yeah to give reality to the fiction. Right. And my the next character in my play was my dream boyfriend. So he came out. <laughs> and my dream okay, so my dream boyfriend was white. Oh. And Oh goodness. Well I he he I wish was white. see my face right now. <laughs> Don't judge me. <laughs> <laughs> he had to be white because I needed to point out like just just that, interracial that relationships yeah. and just the tension. But again, the dream boyfriend wasn't real. He didn't really exist in the end. So mm. it was another n- nod to white culture, kind of you know persuading me. You know. Mm. 
persuading me in my fantasies and that I'm supposed to think this way because that's what I was taught to do, mm. you know. Mm-hmm. So that's why he was white. <clears throat> well, but you so... also, but you're also like performing the examination of that tension in relationship, right? And not just like submitting to it. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Because in the end, I didn't submit to the relationship. Right. In the end, I I let him go. Well, what's what we think is best for us is often worse for us. Right. Exactly. I think my my really I was thinking about this a lot in the last couple of weeks. My relation my instincts for relationships are awful. Oh, mine too. That's my fine. God. Yeah. And my brother and I, it took me years to just like realize it and examine our relationship histories and I was like, Yeah, we're both really shitty at this. <laughs> yeah. My sister has a great husband, I like him a lot, you know, get along, they have a kid, it's all great. Mm. My brother and I, we're just disasters. <laughs> I'm with you. God. What's it yeah. gonna take to get past this shit? Oh, hard to say. Mm. Hard to say. Just make plays about it, I guess. Just make plays about it, hopefully. <laughs> and then announce it to the world of my podcast. Right. And do it that way. And then hopefully some guy comes and sees my play and just falls in love with me. Like you. Benny. You. Benny. <laughs> you touched me. You touched me. Now I gotta touch you. <laughs> touch you for real. For real, no, no fantasy. No fantasy. Yeah. Let's cut to the chase. <laughs> no... But then, you know, going back to, like, dating white men, there's also some mm. of those guys that only date me because I'm Mexican, because it's, you know, yeah. it's exotic. Yeah. Or I've been told that the Mexican culture is very comforting and it feels like home. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> they say that? Yeah. Well, I'm not everybody, but I just... Right, right, right. One man in particular, his ex-boyfriend was Mexican. So then he immediately fell for me as well. And he said that... It just, it just, it made him feel like, like he's home and warm and. Yeah, there's, there's a, there's a fair amount of like lost ass white people that seem to con- have to convince themselves that like there's a home in our community for them. <laughs> like, yeah. What arrogance do you have to have to think that? And like, and my, my trouble is it takes me like a month to figure that out. And by then I'm like a little too deep into it. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, shit, I can't just like peel out right now. <laughs> I hate this so much. Right. But it's like, what is that? What is that? Like, why do you? Why are you entitled to like the the intimacy of like the relationship that I have to my community and my family? Like, Jesus I don't. Christ. Yeah, I don't understand. I don't understand that either. Um, although I did have, I did have a friend of mine who was white who was dating another Mexican, and he needed to break up with him. And the way he did it is he went and bought churros for him, and then <laughs> broke up with him. Shut the fuck. Yeah, true story. Here's really... a churro. I need to break Here's up a with churro. You. I need to break up with you. You just handed me 100 calories. You're right. a dick. <laughs> You're a dick. That's what I would say. Uh, I would take the churros though. I would take all oh, quarters. I mean, that just has. We're only human, but we're only human. Um, that was that was interesting <clears throat> to me because he, and and the only reason why I was in shock was because he had called me and he said, "I need you to come with me to a Mexican bakery." Because I need to get churros, and I said, "Well, you should well, he, go he, get churros." And he he's asked like, oh. you to enable his like shitty breakup thing. Yeah, oh, yeah. His cultural tour guide. Yeah, pretty much because he figured I would know where the Mexican bakery was, and I did. Well, they're not hard to find. They're just there. No, it's just... not like you need like a special like. Right. We don't have like a special like compass for them. Like right. Oh, they're oh, not hidden in I need a Mexican some, bakery. Like, Let me call my Mexican friends. Yeah, they're there. Yeah. And you grab your shit and you pay. Well, he was also... He didn't want to go in there by himself. 
Oh, he was afraid. Yeah. Some little scary Mexicans. Right. Oh, yeah. And then I told them, I was like, they're going to treat me the same way they treat you. Yeah. <laughs> right. I was like, I don't want to go you in there think, either. You think they don't see me as white, man? Right. Like, God damn it. And sure oh, enough, man. like, the man wasn't very friendly to either of us. <laughs> yeah, let uh, on the queerness. Like, right. Jesus. Well, yeah, two gay men go into this, like, Mexican bakery in the old the old Mexican man just with a grumpy face yeah. didn't even ask you know ask us you know. I, even, I even feel weird for saying they so much but like you know it's it's largely immigrant communities that I just don't know yet and I know you know I'm interacting I interact with a lot of the immigrant communities and I do a lot of stuff around workers rights and things but mm-hmm. I'm not an immigrant no so me that's, neither that's the reality of it um, um, I have a friend that's uh, very attractive she's was telling me stories about really awful interactions. She's Mexican and black and very awful interactions on Tinder. And so I was like, well, let's start this Tinder account and let's do a podcast about all the crazy shit they tell you. Right. I think that needs to be elevated. So we're going to do that at some point. That sounds amazing. Tinder is interesting in general. Tinder is just the dark pool of sadness. Right. Oh, yeah. And I was with my other friends and they were all talking about their Tinder accounts. And I'm like, I'm single, so what the fuck? Anyway, but past that... And I was like, oh, you're all trying to become Tinderellas? And they didn't know what the term was. <laughs> Tinderellas. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to get married through that thing. Oh, no. Yeah, so if you get married, you're a Tinderella. No, that's like the worst it way is. to find it's a, bad. a partner. It's bad. I mean, if you're looking for just a, you you work know, at Target and you're in the finance department or something. <laughs> you seem to like each other. Everybody there. works at Target here. Everybody works at Target. <laughs> <laughs> I was even offered a job at Target. Really? What? Oh. I don't really remember what the position was. This was a long time ago. At corporate or in the stores? Corporate. Wow. I know. I was like, you're, you're wanting a Mexican to work there. Oh, of course you do, because you need diversity. <laughs> you need big diversity. <laughs> you need diversity. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing about working here and then also doing theaters. A lot of the times I get interviewed for jobs. When I, Well, when I was looking for jobs, I would get interviewed... Because I was Mexican. Because they would see my name Mm. and then they would interview me because they needed more diversity in the company. So we just come in like a sombrero and a horse and be like, hey, (laughs) hola, hire me. (laughs) Hola, everybody. Do you know how to use a computer? Great, you're hired. (laughs) I I had a job interview once. Uh, It was the job, the first job I had here. And the interview, I walk into the the nonprofit and like there was like a... A, a discarded donkey piñata car, corpse on the ground. Oh. They did some like team building exercises with piñata, and I'm, mm. I'm like, why do you do this to the one Mexican that just showed up? I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Was it was it, not an inviting. Thing. Was it like your welcoming gift? Like, you, <laughs> yeah, um, it, felt like, piñata, it felt like here. it came out of Godfather or something. <laughs> like, look at this donkey. And you're like, what the fuck? That's some bullshit. It is some bullshit. It's it's so interesting to me though, because sure. also people are are, are are so scared to offend, so but yet they they, they just do it you, though. Constantly. They do it all the time, Without, uh, unabated, just right. constantly offending. <laughs> no, like uh, yeah, I mean it comes up all the time with my name, right? Like we did this like an, this um, training. Um, anti-oppression training based in like thinking about white supremacy mm-hmm. and we all did our names and then all the white folks were like oh yeah like I have a typical name blah 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 and like all the POC we all have these crazy ass names right right and um and I you know I was like yo like 
choosing to use my native tongue to say my name is a ends up being a political choice mm-hmm. because that's often where I first experience bigotry from people is their confusion over my name or discomfort over my name or me wanting to Hispanicize my name and mm-hmm. give them an English edition. I'm just right. like, there isn't. It's my fucking name. Well, actually, recently, this one guy came up to me and, and said, I have a question for you. Do you prefer... Oscar or Oscar? And I said I would prefer <laughs> my name, which is Hector. <laughs> but if my name uh, was Oscar, I wouldn't give a shit. Like you can call me Oscar, Os- Oscar, that... like whatever. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I mean, Hector is fine. <laughs> my name does not flow in English. It's just there's no aesthetic comfort there. <laughs> I just couldn't believe he went off your car. Throw down some crazy ass. Yeah, I was like, what? Did he confuse you with somebody? He just thought it was your name. No, he thought my name was Oscar. Uh, so he went to the other generically Spanish name. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, normally I get Jose, so. <laughs> yeah, do you? Os- I do. Oh my god. Jose? No, where did you get Jose from? Do you see a lawnmower in front of me? Do you, is that, right. would, you make that, would that make you more comfortable? Well, actually, the person that called me Jose later on said, oh, I'm so sorry. You just remind me of my gardener. They straight up fucking said that. Mm-hmm. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. But, I mean, this was years ago, but it still stuck to me, you know? God, I remember someone, I po- I said my father passed <laughs> away a while ago, and I posted about it, and I'm like, oh, I miss my father, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, oh, he looks like Edward James Olmos. <laughs> I was like, which one? <laughs> a, B, fuck you. I'm like opening up about my fucking dad, my sweet little old man that raised me, and you're just talking about it. It's almost like some fucking racist. Like, fuck <laughs> I know. I, I replied back really angry. She's like, oh, I was just, I really respect him, and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I don't give a fuck what you think about him. Like, that's just not my dad. He doesn't right. look anything like him. That's messed up. I was thinking about Supreme Court Justice over James Olmos. Oh, like, what the fuck is that? My dad wasn't a Supreme Court Justice. Like, that. He was just a sweet guy that raised me and did his thing in LA and right. fucking did his hustle and. I just want to know, Dr. how did Porter. Edward James, I can't even say his name today, Edward James Olmos, how did he get so lucky that he became the Mexican? He just came up at a time where there was nobody else. Right, him and Lou Diamond Phillips, who isn't Mexican. Who isn't Mexican at all. Who isn't Mexican at all, but yet he's the most famous Mexican of all time. Yeah, I mean, it's just, up. right place, bad time, you know. I mean, there's a there's a there's a really good article about this Maori guy that always plays like mm-hmm. Latino like gang leaders and shit. He's definitely not Mexican. And he has like Maori tattoos all yeah. over his body. But Can you always... believe? I was heartbroken when I found out Damon <laughs> Phillips was not Mexican. Yeah, he's not Mexican. I I was like, what do you mean he's Asian? Like, I was like, <laughs> What Richie? Well, like, yeah, right, right, right. That's so so like for our generation, it's so iconic. It's yeah. so iconic that image, and you're I just was like so pissed. Well, well then I, I realized, I, then I've realized that, like, the Estevez, uh, the brothers are the Estevez brothers. Oh my like, Charlie God. Sheen is fucking Mexican. I know. And I was like, what? Like, that was the opposite effect, where I was like, I don't want that guy anything to I do know, with I know, I was me. like, no, you can say white. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll take him here, yo. It's like, like, Dave Chappelle's, like, you know, uh, uh, the draft, the ethnic draft. Like, no, 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 we'll trade, we'll trade him away. It's right, funny. no. It's and Martin Sheen. Sheen. Like, that's the whitest name ever. I know. At least this other son claims his name but well yeah because charlie sheen and martin sheen took the sheen name so he wanted to be different not because <laughs> he wanted it. to hold be mexican throw it down and he be wanted, real hard about right, it no he wanted yeah. to be different so he uh, that's why he that's a just, just deranged family anyway. kept his latino name which 
Which I was. He's I pale was, as fuck too. So I know. Like, I was like, you can't be Mexican, are you? Well, I guess. It's just confusing for a young Chicano figuring things out. I know. Yeah. But Lou Diamond Phillips <sighs> broke my heart. <laughs> it hurt. It hurt. So it hurt a lot. More than I would like to admit. But or, like, or like Benjamin Pratt, I think his name is. Oh, yes. He's just like he... the, the vaguely ethnic guy. He's like clearly ethnic, but nobody knows what he is. And so they just keep throwing him up in different things. Mm-hmm. Well, he kind of r- seems black. kind of seems like the animal. I don't know what the hell His last name's not Pratt. I forgot what his real last name was because I did look it up. Name? I forgot. Mm. It, it's not anywhere. Is it ethnic at all? It's ethnic. He okay. is Latino. Oh, he is Latino. He's Latino. Okay. Mm-hmm. But I don't know why he chose to... Anyway. Anyway. Yeah. And, like, I remember those, like, one of the last seasons of Law & Order, speaking of Law & Order, where suddenly, like, the Latino characters were actually speaking in Spanish, <laughs> but in a really clumsy way. And I was like, what the hell did you just write? Why'd you write it that into the show all of a sudden? What are you trying to do? Well, that's another thing with Latinos in theater and Latinos in, you know, in entertainment, is that they're always seen as just very ignorant and uneducated. Mm-hmm. Um, but at least I do have to say, I've noticed that when it comes to them being, um, maids and servants, it's, they're servants to the rich people, though. <laughs> like, the rich people have the Latinos. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, George. Oh, George. Oh, Oscar. Oh, Oscar. Or Jose. Huh. I remember I, the way I've been like the, when I first moved here the way I would introduce myself is be like oh my name is Filiberto and for those of you wondering or can't speak Spanish my name is Filiberto <laughs> and then I realized maybe that's a little too strong in Minnesota I was like please don't call me Phil <laughs> yeah so then I realized that so Filiberto the, the sort of etymology of it is Filbert mm-hmm. and it's a hazelnut so then I started telling white people that my name is hazelnut yeah <laughs> Filiberto or if that's more comfortable with you hazelnut <laughs> Just, you know, keep them on your toes. Keep them on their toes. You know? Yeah. Keep them thrown off. Hazelnut. Constantly. Oh, cute. Constantly. Is that your gang name? <laughs> <laughs> Not dog hazel. Not dog hazel. <laughs> Makes more sense. Makes right. a lot more sense. Way tougher. All right. We're, we're about at the hour here. All right. Um, any last words? Any final thoughts for this? elusive audience of ours yes dear white people well they're not our audience oh. for this. this is two latinx people a white person may still want this but just in case dear white people <laughs> okay brown face is not okay not okay gonna, that's all i have to say if you have a latino uh need for a latino actor hire a latino actor exactly or latinx actor or don't fucking do or the just, play or hand it over to us and give right. us money to we'll produce do these it. things. We will happily do it. We will find you an amazing cast. Yes. Actually, the, and the room will be filled. Yeah, exactly. The Ordway, which is the theater here, they're doing West Side Story in a couple months. If I see a single white person playing a shark, I am going to lose Let's my shit. Let's fuck some shit up. For real. I will support you in that. Great. We will throw some things down. Awesome. Can't wait. All right. That's a good way to end this. Yes. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Hector. Yeah. That's a great time.